0: You're listening to the weekly Parsha podcast with Ari Goldwag, recorded with Hashem's never-ending assistance in Ramat Bishemesh Israel seven eighty two 2022 This week's Parsha is Parsha's Balak in Chutz Lartz and it's Parsha's Pinchas in Eretz Yisrael. And these two Parshas are special to me, as I mentioned last week, because it is the, con- the completion of the round started 15 years ago with Parsha's Pinchas. And I encourage you to go to AriGoldwag.com, Hit the Donate button, go to the Donate part of my site, or go to argodig.com slash new album, working on a new album special for the three weeks, Songs of Yerushalayim, Exile, Redemption. Take part, help these podcasts to continue. Baruch Hashem, 15 years going strong, and we shall continue i like to share with you a thought based on the Medrash in Parshas Balak, at the end of Parshas Balak, it's actually very easy to connect these two Parshas because the end of the Parshas, the, the end of Balak and the beginning of Pinchas are the same story, it's a story of Pinchas coming in to save the day, doing a radical act, not something that we are accustomed to hearing about in our modern day, in our Western thinking, but in order to stand up for licentious behavior, to stand up for God in the face of of improper behavior. So Pinchas stands up and he kills Zimri and the, the woman, the evil Midianite woman who was causing these terrible sins amongst the Jewish people. 24,000 people had died from a plague because of Pinchas, Pinchas's brave act. He was able to prevent the plague from continuing. Also, not an idea we're used to hearing. We think of a plague, we think of corona. We don't associate that directly with sin. We don't associate great things that happen in the world with our spiritual condition, our spiritual state. But the Torah teaches us not that way. I'd like to share with you what the Medrash says. Before I get into the Medrash, I want to point out something which I mentioned previously, and I want to mention it again. And that is that we, in this story, in, in the description of events of the Torah, we are currently about to get into the land of Israel. The Jewish people are on the cusp of entering the land of Israel. It's been 40 years that they were in the Midbar. 40 years that they were in the wilderness. And they're about to enter into the land of Israel. Moshe Rabbeinu is about to die. Yahushua, Joshua, is about to take over and lead them into Israel. Seven years of conquest, seven years of distribution of the land. And so we need to understand that when we talk about this point in time, It's a pivotal point in time, and it directly relates to us, as you've heard from me many times, because we are also on the cusp, on the moment of transition between the old world and the new world. There was a transition that happened already 70, almost 75 years ago, um, with the Jewish people receiving permission, so to speak, from the nations of the world to be able to live in Israel and to run our own country. But we're about to transition, hopefully very soon, into a new world where Mashiach, the Messiah, a righteous Jewish individual, human being, will lead us and become the king of the Jewish people. And because we are at that point in time, so there are all kinds of things that are happening which we can look at and we can relate to what happened then and we can understand how it relates to us because whenever we have a transition time, whenever we are moving from one state of the world into another state of the world, from land, from the sojourn in the wilderness to taking over the land of Israel, or in our current time, the, the advent of Mashiach, hopefully very soon. So we need to understand that there are certain characteristics of these times which present themselves and which are important to understand in order for us to deal with them, for us to face off with them, and to know that these things are typical, typical of these kinds of situations, of transition times. So it's very remarkable and interesting that over here we have, as the Jewish people are about to enter into the land of Israel, they're faced off with a very difficult, incredible nisayon, an incredible challenge in the area of Arias, in the area of licentious behavior, inappropriate behavior in regards to relationships between men and women. It's important to understand that. It's also interesting, I will point out, I've mentioned this in the past, I haven't mentioned it in a long time, but the Ishbutzer talks about the fact that at the party of Achashverosh, there was a request, as the Gemara tells us in Megillah, for the Queen to appear in a certain state, which we'll not get into, but to appear in a way which was not very sneas, let us say, not very modest. And what is the idea behind that? Why did that happen at that moment in time? So the Ishbutzer explains that as HaKadosh Baruch Hu, as God, is about to reveal Himself to the world, He's about to take off the mask, He's about to take off all of the ways that He clothes Himself and, and, and protects us really from Him because we will be overwhelmed by His presence. We we'll lose a certain aspect of our bichir, of our free will. So Hashem has all of these masks and all of these ways of hiding Himself, so that we maintain our own individuality. We choose to allow Hashem into our lives. But when Hashem is about to bring the world into a new place, into a new reality, into a state of, call it perfection, or a state of a higher state, which was about to happen, the Jewish people were about to rebuild the base Hamikdash, their temple. Right after the story of the Megillah, right after the story of Esther. So because of that transition time, so Hashem is about to reveal himself. So there's a sense or there's a feeling amongst the nations of the world, which is one of wanting something that's revealed. And that, that manifests itself, says the Hishabutzer, in the relationship between men and women and in the relationship between the king and the queen in that case and wanting it to be revealed in an open way which, of course, is always inappropriate. It's only appropriate as the Torah lays out and prescribes for us between a man and his wife, completely private, completely holy and special and powerful. That's what keeps it holy and special, is that it's special. It's only for the man and the wife. Okay, but as you're in a transition time, so there's a desire for that, That's what we see here in our parsha as the Jewish people are about to enter into Israel. There's a nisayon in this area of inappropriate behavior between men and women. There's a nisayon in our times, of course, as we all know very, very well. There's a tremendous nisayon, which is another one of the signs that we are in a stage where Kadesh as it were, where God is about to reveal himself in a much more open and manifest way, but it involves that revelation as we've spoken about and we will continue to speak about involves a tremendous amount of din tremendous amount of judgment because in order to be in a relationship like that let's think of it in terms of a man and a woman so you have to have established certain boundaries you have to be married it has to be completely special it can't be the way that the western society has made it into something which is cheap and and, and has no value has no specialness the fact that it's special and pure and untainted and between two people who have a tremendous commitment to each other, that is representative of the way it's supposed to be between us and Hashem. We get that revelation of Hakadosh of God because we have retained our commitment to Hashem for the last two thousand years in Golus in our exile. And it's a time of din. It's a time of judgment when that's revealed. Because who can re- who can receive that kind of light? Who can receive that kind of revelation? Only those who are worthy, those who aren't, get destroyed by it. Heaven forbid. So, it's important to understand, that's kind of like a, a lot of background here, but to understand, why was this Nisan happening here? Why was this challenge happening with the Benos Midyon? I mean, obviously there was something because the, the king of Moab wanted to, he wanted to cause damage to the Jewish people, but the fact is that no enemy of the Jewish people can cause us damage without it being something that that God Himself wants to bring. So we need to understand why it was. And this is the partial explanation of it. But I want to see some more inside of the Medrash to help us understand this even deeper because there are ways to deal with this. How do we face off with this challenge? It's a challenge that's very common in our time because, as we said, we're in a transition time and a special time leading up to the Advent of Mashiach. So we need to know how do we deal with this how did the Jewish people indeed succeed? Because the magic is going to tell us that there was a tremendous success of the Jewish people at the end of their time in Egypt in regard to this particular instant. uh in regard to this particular challenge. But there was a failure at the end of the 40 years. So what was the difference? We need to understand what the difference was. And we also need to understand what was it that Pinchas was able to accomplish as an individual. We're going to see how do, how does a whole nation overcome it? How does a whole nation, uh, deal with this problem, this challenge? And how does an individual stand up as a leader in order to stop the magefa, stop the plague, the scourge that's affecting us? So let's see the measures. The measures is like this. So there's some really interesting things that have to do with the place that they were. The Jewish people resided or they, they sat, they encamped in a place called Shitim which was around the Moavi, Midyani area. So the Medrash tells us like this. Before we get into the concept of where they stayed, what's the significance of the name of this place, Shittim. So the Medrash says, There were four things that were the merit, which the Jewish people had, which enabled them to be able to be redeemed from Egypt. These are famous things. One of them is not as famous as the others. Let's see. that's famous. They didn't change their names. The Jewish people retained their Jewish names when they were in Egypt. they did not change their language. They spoke in Hebrew. They spoke in Ivrit or Ivris. Third, the They didn't reveal the secrets, the mysteries. Moshe tells the Jewish people you are now at the time that they're about to leave Egypt they're to ask their neighbors their Egyptian neighbors for vessels of silver, vessels of gold they knew this they knew that that was coming and, and, and that they were going to be asking for that for 12 months They had been told by Moshe Rabbeinu 12 months before that they were going to be able to ask, that we're going to take all of the gold and the silver of the Egyptians. Can't get into right now what's the idea behind it. But it was a matter that was kept secret. They were careful about not revealing secrets. And the fourth thing, which I believe is not as famous, is that the Jewish people were extremely careful about licentious behavior. They didn't allow themselves to, to... be involved with other people's spouses, to be involved with people who are inappropriate between men and women. That <speaking in Hebrew> brings a Pasuk in and the Song of Songs referring to the fact that they were closed, they were locked gardens. The men were locked gardens they didn't allow themselves to be with someone who was inappropriate for them. And the women were locked gardens. They didn't allow someone to be with them who was inappropriate for them. Teidolacha. Okay, so we have this concept. When the Jewish people left Egypt, and we're going to see in contrast to when they were about to walk into the land of Israel, which is where we had this issue, this problem, we need to understand what's the difference between these two times. Teidolacha, sharei achas the measure points out that there was one person who indeed had had a problematic relationship and had birthed a mamzer, an illegitimate child. That was the one who cursed Hashem, Shlomus Bazdivri, a particular woman, her child. So that was the only one. The Apostle tells us that that was the only person who had some kind of inappropriate Relationship, but the entire Jewish people was especially, especially careful about this idea of inappropriate behavior between men and women. So, in that merit, in the merit of those four things, the Jewish people were freed from Egypt. And One of them, Meforshmira, says they were freed early. They were supposed to be there 400 years. They were freed after only 210 years. The counting started earlier. I'm sorry. All the 40 years that they were inside of the wilderness, the Jewish people were extremely careful about this area as well. They didn't fall into any licentious behavior as long as they were in the wilderness. But at this moment, at this moment, when they got to Shittim, this place, so something switched, something changed. That's why it says, the Jewish people came to Sheetim, that's when they started to be involved in licentious behavior. What is the word Sheetim? What does this name of this place indicate? The word Shittim, the, the root of this word is shtus, a foolishness. There's a foolishness when a person does a licentious act, when he's with an inappropriate person, adultery. He's missing heart. He's missing his thought. He's missing his... He's done a foolish act. So the word shitim comes from the same word as sh'tus, which means foolish. And this teaches us that there was something that was foolish that came into their hearts at this moment in time. We need to understand why. But the measure tells us a little bit of why. Very interesting. The, the measure tells us that in Shittim, in this place, there was a type of well. There was a type of well, a spring, which provided water. And the waters of the place, which we have to understand what it means, because Bepashis it doesn't mean that there were, you know is good waters and bad waters, but it, it means that the the spiritual life that's given, as represented by waters and represented by springs in a location, the spiritual life that's given. We'll see soon that it's referring to spiritual life. So it comes in with a certain energy in a different place. The places affect, the place that you live affects the spiritual energy that comes into that place is brought down to that place through a type of well, through a type of pipe, a tzino, or we could call it, through a type of spring. So the, the springs can, say in that place there's going to be very powerful people. There's gonna be weak people there. There's gonna be beautiful people. There's gonna be ugly people there. There's going to be modest people there. Yeshtuf and Bezima. And there are places where the energy of that place, the spiritual energy of that place, is licentious behavior. Umayyan Shitim Shalznus Haya. In Shitim, there was a spring, and that spring was a spring of licentious behavior and that was the same water that would go out to Sodom Sodom and Amorah the two cities that our destroyed in the time of Avram Avinu so that licentious behavior came from this same spiritual spring so to speak the same spiritual source which was in Shittim the <speaking in Hebrew> tells us about the, the, the people of Sodom they wanted to have of Zacher, they wanted to have men and men together, which is a terrible hashchasa, terrible destructive behavior against nature, the opposite of the way HaKadosh Baruch Hu created the world that where the way the children are created, right? So it's a it's a it's a representative of the opposite of Kaddusha, the opposite of holiness. That was the way it was in Sodom, as the Pasuk describes, the verse tells us. Where did that come from? It came from a, c- a certain spiritual energy. If you look around the world today, you can figure out where the spiritual energy is is situated. But the Jewish people came into a place that had that spiritual energy. Well, the Iskala Oisam Mayan... Oh, so before we get to the end of the Medjush, which is very interesting, very, very interesting, the point of the Medjush here is that the the place that we are in affects us. Now, what protects us? Right, we have the Jewish people in Egypt somehow were protected. Let's not forget, Egypt was a terrible place of zima. Also, they had terrible licentious behavior in, in Egypt as well. The pesukim and Acharemos tell us, which we read also on Yom Kippur, to remind us of the importance of of uh, spiritual purity in these areas. What do we see? What do we see here? we see that the Jewish people were protected in Egypt because of four things. They were protected because of four things. And these four things served them in Egypt. And we need to understand why it didn't help them when they got to Shittim. Their, their names were different. They had their own identity. They had their own recognition of who they were. That's what a name is. They had their own language. We are special people. We are unique people they had a recognition of who they were the specialists children of of yisrael of israel children of israel it's a powerful spiritual uh idea calling better what was the third thing the third thing was that they were careful not to reveal mysteries they were careful not to reveal secrets that's also indicative of it's, of a modesty of not being sh- not being show offy right the jewish people are the Gemara tells us we're, we're embarrassed we're, we're modest we're merciful we do kindness with others That's our, these are our character traits so as long as they held on to that they were able to hold on to the fourth which is they were careful about and, and not being involved in inappropriate behavior between man and woman Now, what happens at the end of the 40 years? And I think, that if we think about it, there's a very big difference between when they were at the end of their time in Egypt and at the end of the time in the wilderness. Both times were transition times. Both times were redemption times. But The Jewish people, at the moment of redemption in Egypt, were in a very different state than they were at the end of the 40 years in the wilderness. And if we think about it as it relates to us, it's very powerful and very important. And I do want to read the end of the Magistrate, which talks about what happens when Mashiach comes, because it's very important, also it relates to us. But the difference is, essentially, the difference is that the Jewish people were in a state of downtroddenness. When they left Egypt, they were slaves. They were slave people, they were in fear of the Egyptians, and they were mukhna, they were completely subservient Their subservience was about to switch from subservience to the Egyptians to subservience to God. But they were in a state of contrition. They were contrite. They didn't think of themselves as, wow, they didn't have like, they didn't have an expansive consciousness in a certain sense. They weren't haughty. And because of that, these were able to make them feel the, the, the separateness that they felt because of the language, because of the, because of their names, because of their, Modesty, that was able to help them in their ability to be careful in the area, to be careful in the area between men and women, and to not allow themselves to get out of hand, to be involved in inappropriate behavior. At the end of the 40 years, however, the the people, the Jewish people were pampered. For 40 years, they were not slaves. Of course, they were sitting and learning, they were studying the Word of God, they were involved in service of Hashem, they had a Mishkan but at the same time there was an in, in the expandedness of it in the richness of it they were rich they took all that money from egypt they took they had tons of wealth they were rich and in what comes with that sense of expandedness is a different feeling when it comes to this area yes they still had their names yes they still had their language yes they still had their modesty but it was able to be easily broken because of the expanded feeling in their hearts that lack of contrition that lack of humility I'm interested in psychology I'm interested in things that have to do with addiction and one of the things that, that that's written in the in the literature in regards to addiction is that the person who is the addict has a certain lack of humility now, I'm not saying this. This is what the addicts write. There was a certain lack of humility that was the source of their problem. That is what it comes down to. When it comes to the end of the 40 years, there is a feeling, how does a person make a mistake? How does a person, How is it, how does the foolishness come into the person because you can have whatever you want. We live in a society where you can have whatever you want. And if that's not enough, here's more. Here, buy more. Here, have credit so you can buy more. Here, have whatever you want, especially in this area. And so, because we're living in such a time, that's the, in, the intense importance of what Pinchas does. And of course, we look at Pinchas as an extreme person, but in a certain sense, when you're living in the 40th year of the wilderness, which is where we are, when we live in this expanded state where you can have whatever you want, there needs to be inside of us of a little Pinchas or a big Pinchas that's able to jump up and to have that courage. I want to read to you for just 30 seconds what the Ramban says about about Pinchas, the beginning of Parchas, Pinchas. Why does the Pasuk mention who it was that got killed, and who the woman was that that were having this relationship, this evil relationship, it's to teach us that Pinchas was it was appropriate that he receive a tremendous amount of reward. He was incredibly courageous. He killed a, a prince of the Jewish people one of the most... one of the most... chash uh, of people, one of the most important people of the Jewish people. And he killed this princess of, of the daughters of Midian. That takes tremendous courage. When we see people who are famous, even if we think that they're not so good, but we still have tremendous respect for them. We still have inhibitions around, around them. But he didn't... he didn't care. He didn't care. He stood up for what was right he acted with a tremendous courage in order to stop to to lay down a a a wall between what was going on and what should be going on and the boundary needs to be strong in a time when the boundaries are completely open there are no boundaries in the world that we live in there are no boundaries it's it's the most important time to have an intensity on our boundaries. Jewish people in Egypt, they had their boundaries, they had their language, they had their names, they had their, their modesty, their ability to keep secrets. We need to be able to have boundaries and strong ones. You know, you hear about something like a great Asifa, where people come and they gather together and they have a very powerful experience that encourages them to do what's right and to create strong boundaries. That's what will protect us. It's the strong boundaries, and I want to finish off with the end of the Medrash. Very interesting, that very maayan, that very spring, which was the cause of the people of Sedom having this negative type of behavior. I call it negative, abominable behavior, right? And and the the source of what happened in Team over here in the story with the with the Midianite women that very Mayon spring, Hashem is going to dry it up and cure it. So this is where we see that the the spring that we're talking about could be a, a physical spring but it also is representative of a spiritual spring. There will be a spring that comes out from the house of Hashem, from the base Hamikdash, the Hishka is Nachal It's going to be the one that gives the water to that same exact Nachal, the very place, that very place where the waters were the source of terrible evil. The water is going to come out from the base of Mikdush and replenish that location with spiritual positivity, with powerful spiritual waters. That's what the, it's going to be flipped around. It's going to be changed. But what we see is that. The base Hamikdash itself, the temple itself, the revelation Hashem wants to bring, and I'm sure that he's bringing very soon. It's all about purifying us. It's all about bringing the use of our powerful desires to their proper location, to their proper boundary. So I want to bless you. I ask you to bless me. Hashem should help us that we should indeed be able to understand what is the challenge of our time. What are the ways that we can strengthen ourselves, create the proper and healthy boundaries, and use our spiritual powers in the correct way. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great Shabbos. This podcast was made possible through the gracious donations of listeners like you. For more podcasts like this, please visit www.arigoldwag.com or search on iTunes, Ari Goldwag.